am knee deep in mustache. Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. Today we're throwing our wood into the water and drinking up. The wilderness is going to bring light who we are when we're not comfy. Barry's here to tell us how we're going to make it through it all. But before we nassaw, now that they've hanad, let's welcome in our favorite co-hosts. <laughs> Getting a little thirsty. Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good, Good day. day. I'm surprised you didn't say anything about machetes. I had that in there, but it got a little violent. Ooh. Oh, right. yeah. it's family show. Family yeah. friendly. Family friendly. Hey, guys. It's a podcast. I... What are we doing right now? Um, it's been had, a while. I say that every time, I've but it truly people, has. I've had multiple people asking if something was wrong with their app. Oh. Because they were like, well, I haven't seen the podcast in yeah. weeks. Yeah. I had one person ask if we were still doing it. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Friends of the pod. I'm sorry. All right. So let's explain. The first week, I was in South Carolina at a database conference. <laughs> Sounds wild. Yeah. <laughs> Riveting. Uh, and last week, uh, the lead team here on staff was on a nice retreat at Barry's house. And as we've talked about on the podcast, retreat, no, probably not the right word. Does not yeah. mean retreat. A three day ever. solid meeting. An I'm going to stab myself with a machete and then I will die. <laughs> Wait, I have to hear that again. One. That's that a was long so one. good. Yeah. Let's hear it. I'm going to stab myself with a machete and then I will die. That's what yeah, the retreat's like, right? That, yeah. Some Bravo. days it is. That just <laughs> lifted my spirit to another level. Yeah. yeah. But we're um, back. We're back and Next now. week. Next week, we won't do it again. Are you sure? I think well, we, you guys can do it. We got to try to pull it off for our for our listeners. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, I won't be here. We've so. potted without you twice now, I think. We could do it again. Fine. <laughs> uh, I, I, that takes me to, guys, what's new? What's new? Hey. I'll tell you what's new with me. I'm going to Australia in two days. Yeah, let's hear about it. Yeah. Why are you going to Australia? Uh, I am going with our executive pastor, Chris Shore, to Australia, Sydney, Australia. We have a church plant there. I don't know if listeners all know that or not, but we're going there to visit, pay a visit. Uh, we try to do that once or twice a year. And uh, there's a church planting conference that we're participating in while we're there. And so I'm going to go there and try to get some videos and photos and stories of Stuff that, frankly, we, we don't get to hear as often mm -hmm. as we would probably like. And so I'm going to go try to capture some of that stuff and bring it back to everybody to get a hold of and sink their teeth into about what all the good stuff God's doing out there. I've never been. Have you guys been? Nope. No. Sydney? I have not been. Marin, you haven't never been to Sydney, huh? I have not been. No. All right. I would love to go. I Yeah. I really want to go there. I want to go there and I want to go to New Zealand. Yeah. And you, you think- Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I, I thought like, oh, well, if I ever am in Australia, I'll just zip over to New Zealand. It's still like six hours away. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> skip right like, over. Take yeah, the yeah. ferry. Yeah. Not quite. Uh, so that's what's new with me. Also, last I left you, I was starting mustache season. <laughs> yeah. You have fully Today, embraced. Oh, we man. are in the throes. I am knee deep in mustache. <laughs> if it weren't for... Like the the millennial hat and the yeah. the the Mickey Mouse shirt. And yeah, the glasses. It's it's, it's, it's uh, the only thing the that ensemble. takes you out of the 1850s. He does look like a Civil War. Yeah. Like, like you run an apothecary. My, my dear Margaret. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
That is exactly the look I'm going for. Yeah, yeah like a Doc Holiday. Yes, yeah. exactly. Winter okay. has been hard on the line. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. Dearest Margaret. <laughs> the nights are cold. <laughs> we are running out of provisions. <laughs> Our whale blubber supply yeah. is low. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty proud of it. Your I get a lot meats? of. I get a, well, no. <laughs> I get a lot of flack. You could say people. There's very polarized stash, opinions. They're stash haters. Stash flack. <laughs> uh, stash flack. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Last hey, time you guys didn't even know. What notice, are your? But here well, we it's are. way more prominent now yeah, than yeah. it was before. <laughs> what are your? What are your plans? Who's the guy that talks about the diabetes? That there's a there's an actor Wilford that did all Brimley? these. You that's you have his mustache now. Steel cut oats. The diabetes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're back. I'm glad we're doing this again. <laughs> what is your plan? Are you going to keep it, or is it yeah, just sort of a? Of course. You, you said don't work it this was a phase. You said it was your well, mustache it's season. phase. It. I don't know. Phases could last years. Yeah. It what does What does Milo think? Uh, he he look he just stares at it. He pulled it once, but it's fine. <laughs> it, it, the family's fine now. It, it, everybody's used to it there. It's uh, the the mom not so much into it. She she asked me if I was participating in a video or something. <laughs> She's like, "You're not. Ser- are you are you doing a vi- are you in a video or something? What? Yeah, You're not serious. It are shows you? up at family dinner once yeah. and it's fine. It's, yeah, it's, come it's on. It's like, wait a second. I'm like, mom, this is the way I look now. Uh, what's new with you guys? It's been weeks. It has been a long time. time. What's happened? Marin, are we finished with marching band season? Not even close. No? No, we're right in the throes of his competitive season. He had a, I think it was a Bands of America competition this last weekend. Fishers came in second. Shout out to Fishers. Big ups. But they're just kind of getting into their big competition season. And it's so much fun. I love watching him. Yeah. It's a really cool show this year. And he's just like living his best life. I, I don't think I anticipated the leadership and the growth that this would provide for Jaden. Like hmm. I knew he'd become a better musician. Just that's kind of a given, but he's the, I want to say he's the center bass drum or something like that, which basically means he leads his, he's sec- in charge. his section. Oh yeah. wow. That's cool. Yeah. And so that's just been really cool to watch him kind of grow in that area. Yeah. It's been fun as a mom to watch that. So. What's Jaden like as a leader? I, I guess he's pretty ruthless. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he told me uh, yeah. a couple of stories about, um, you know, just having to make kids run laps. I'm like, you can do that. You make you, bandmates run you laps? You have the power to do that? Wow. Yeah, wow. if they didn't learn their part. Boy, you're going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't show up to practice, he makes them run laps. Wow. Look at that. Look at that. Look at my boy. He's almost a grown-up boy. Not quite. <laughs> not <laughs> quite. There. Nope, not yeah, a grown-up yeah. boy. Yeah, it's been yeah. busy. I've been to see my mom, I think, to Couple and from times. since the last time I saw you guys. Yeah. And our 17th wedding anniversary was Saturday. Wow. So congrats. Done a lot of Whoa. a lot. What'd you guys do to celebrate? Well, Tyler, <laughs> we made it to Top Golf. Yeah, Top Golf. Yeah. Great. First you, time ever. So did you guys play like the Top Golf games and No. Did no. <laughs> Wait, what'd you what, do at Top Golf? Jed had heard that there was billiards at Top Golf. So we went for the food and the billiards. What? Was it everything you hoped Get it would out. be? Um, I won one and Jed won one. So it was good. You only played twice? 
Yeah, you're we gonna make the trip to, to Top Golf. Places to go. Didn't play golf, and you're only gonna play billiards twice. We went. Um, I can't call it hiking. We didn't. I mean, we walked on a broad, graveled trail, um, <laughs> pretty flat. So I can't really call it hiking, but yeah. it was a gorgeous day. Saturday was beautiful. Yeah, yeah I was. just wanted to be outside all day long. Yeah, it was amazing. All right. Yeah. Speaking of grown up boy. Yeah. Barry, what's up? Oh man. Like all the things that we've talked about that I've talked about on the podcast yeah. over the last like years. Here it is. It's Here. all happening all at once. Like I, what? Well, I have a wood shop, which is awesome. So I'm making yeah. a dining room table. Whoa. Whoa. Thought I'd start simple. Yep. Starting <laughs> and, low, uh, small. Yeah. Someone gave me a table saw. Someone gave me a miter saw. Aww. Someone gave me a big workbench. So I've, I've got like a shop going now. And Where it's, is the shop? In my exactly. garage. Okay. That's in my a, garage. So are you getting like house. sawdust yeah, all yeah, over yeah. your cars? I'm getting sawdust all over my everything, but I am, <laughs> am working on a uh, working on a vacuum solution that's going to help out. But right. yeah, I'm having a blast, and well, I'm, yeah, doing that. But I've also started composting as my first step in the long process of having my permaculture food forest. I've yeah. begun that process, and okay. rabbits are just all over. We have <laughs> hold hold on, we've got eleven <laughs> rabbits in our house right now because we took in as a foster family we took in a uh, a mother and her six babies oh my goodness so, gracious along with our normal fosters and our our two rabbits that we've adopted. are people paying admission yet to come to your house they and should. hold rabbits they should because these guys are like really really cute I so love squirrel noises <laughs> yeah always wear they're, they're just like too adorable so anyway yeah all the things are happening and life is good and i'm not here's the deal i haven't played video games in since I moved, I haven't even thought about it once because I've just had so much other stuff to do. But I'm not like stressed out about it. All the stuff at home, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, because it's good. stuff you like. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I'm real happy. We're having a great time. I mean, we're slowly tackling things around the house. We just started the process of painting. Well, Liv kind of took point on that. Painting the outside. Outside. Of the oh house. wow. So inside's painted, and most of our rooms are usable so gone is the adorable green because i really did like that green it's, exterior it's gone it was charming Liv, Liv's not a fan so <laughs> we're moving on we're moving on to to white to white and we're Crisp, trying to clean it'll be white and black and wood will be kind of the motif on the outside oh yeah so anyway it'll look all right it'll she's be cool. got an eye it'll be great yeah oh yeah guys you are uh you're looking at a champion <laughs> <laughs> Well, today. Does the mustache? Does the mustache make the man? And now you are a champion. We are fresh off our most recent staff meeting where we had a chili oh competition. Oh my goodness! Yes, that's right. And uh, you're looking at the champ. Yeah, yeah. I contributed an entry. Uh, smoked chili. I, I spent last evening smoking chili. Didn't and, you? Uh, you labeled it over the top. Over the top. It's, right. It's called that for a reason. Barry, you might want to close your ears. Wait, you smoked the meatball? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Like, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not like sensitive to right, the... Right. Barry, I so, know you didn't try it, but I tried it and it tasted like I was outdoors. Nice. Which apparently is good. And you didn't use yes. liquid smoke. You used real... Yeah, I put it on a smoker, put the pot of chili in a Dutch oven on the grill that is like a Cast smoker. iron yeah, Dutch cast oven. Cast iron Dutch yeah, yeah. oven full of like all the veggies and stuff. And then I put a grate on it, and on top of the grate, I put a giant meatball with like tons of seasoning in it. And so, when you say meatball, what do you mean by that? It was like a basketball size, according to Instagram. It looked massive. Yeah, it's yeah. like three or four pounds was of it just like pork? ground beef. Was it okay? 
Uh, oh, oh, ground beef. Yeah. Wow. And put all kinds of spices in it. And then I smoked it for like six hours and just let it do its oh, thing. Oh, is that all? And then you break the meat down and put it in the <laughs> pot and then cook it for another couple hours. And it was awesome. It was the best chili I've ever made. It was really awesome. Yeah. It was the first to go. I mean, yeah, like, it was, it was, people my wife's our not staff be devoured happy. it. Yeah. Well, Jed's going to be happy because I'm bringing home some chili. Yeah. You had an entry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, no, I don't mind. How many, uh, Marin, how many hours did you smoke your chili? <laughs> did not smoke oh, okay. my chili at all. I make good chili. It's undeniable. But it was my good. chili does not taste like the outdoors. So you had the edge. <laughs> you had the edge. All right. So we wrapped up our last sermon series, yep. The Good Life. And hundreds of people have either entered into yes. peer coaching. Yep. As uh, coaches or as coaches or participants. Yep. Uh, we added another, uh, what do we call it? FPS? The, yeah, FPM? Finan- FPM, Financial Planning Ministry. Uh, seminar in December that filled up within minutes. Hundreds of people have engaged and taken us up on these grow and become healthy yeah. financially to live the good life. And, yeah. so and we know there's at least a few life groups that are going to do the God owns it all curriculum together. So it's yeah. it's been great. My husband and I, on our anniversary, we kicked off the day by attending the financial planning <laughs> ministry yeah. right seminar here at 146. Wow. How romantic. Kicked it <laughs> off right. Um, What else? Care center expansion. Care center expansion is underway. Took off. We've got... My office is next door to the care center expansion, <laughs> and it is happening. <laughs> I, can, I can vouch that the expansion is definitely happening. I can hear it every second Jack of the day. Every Jack moment. Jackhammers. Just stuff getting dropped. Uh, <laughs> it feels like it's inside my head when it's okay. happening. So. Not stressful at all. Not no, distracting. It's, it's good. Um, third thing. Yeah. Show. We got a show coming up That's in right. like two yes. weeks. Yeah. Uh, can't you can't take, take it with, it with you. you. It's a comedy. Uh, Amy was here a couple of weeks ago talking about it, but I'm excited for that. That kind of snuck up on us. It feels like oh, yeah. it's just kind of been happening behind the scenes. Usually it's like everyone I know is in the production. Yeah. Well, you guys are in it. Marin, you were in Mary this Poppins. This time last year. Yeah. We yeah. were like fully And so tech I don't know who's in it, but I know that it's happening and I'm ex- I was excited when I got back from the retreat and stuff to be like, Oh, that's like in a week and a half. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. So we've already got our tickets. If you want tickets, you go to gracechurch.us to get those, but yep. lots of stuff, yeah. lots of stuff happening. Oh, here's some, one thing that, that we started small thing. I'm, I love it. We started the thing called staff hero where every month we're kind of surprising someone on staff who's been nominated as a, a staff hero who represents yeah. the the values of what that we want on staff. And so we were, I've, I've been recording these little videos and, and putting them together and they're just ridiculous. Are you the one the editing top. them? I am. They're great. Thanks. Thanks, Marin. Uh, they're just silly, stupid, but fun. And so it's a way to just kind of like what, what's happened. We've had two Jim, Jim Dallas and William Mandera have been our staff heroes and we've posted them online and it's been cool. Cause tons of people are commenting yeah. like, yeah, you're the best. You're great. Whatever. We got to show those in service though. We should. Yeah. It's a yeah. good idea. I don't know why we haven't yet, but. Someone, should, someone someone needs to tell whoever's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> we we do need to do that. But anyway, it's been fun. And what's been cool is um, just to see like both times that we've had them come up at staff meeting after watching the video, there's been a standing ovation. Yeah. And it's just, it just makes everyone feel like, wow, yeah, this is great. Yeah. So that's been fun. Well, William basically, basically gives every staff member a standing ovation every time you walk in the building. <laughs> oh my so goodness, yeah. yeah. The least we could do is give him one at staff meeting. But yeah. That's really cool. I'm glad that we're doing that. That was, it seems like 
everybody appreciates participating in the like creation of the videos that you're making in the yeah. actual moment of yeah. surprising yeah. the staff member. But it's also obviously uh, very encouraging mm-hmm. to the sure. staff member receiving it yeah. because it's, I think last month, Jim Dallas, who works over in Fishers, like loves a specific kind of cake and you yeah, had a cake loved, made with cookies, his face on it so, or yeah, a cookie a with his face cookie. on it. <laughs> yeah. This time, William loves EDM music, apparently. Yeah. And yeah. so you had a rave, have a mini like, rave. A dance party. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's Yeah, that's fun. And I, my goal is to have each one be, I mean, who knows how creative we'll end up being, but I want each one to be really unique and stupid and over the top yeah. and like just totally geared around that one person. And yeah, yeah it's it's fun. So they're on they're on Grace's Instagram and YouTube and all that. But um, yeah, we, yeah, we show should those. show them service. Yeah. Let's do it this weekend. Who, right. Who's stopping us? <laughs> well, I'll be in Australia. So oh, all right, I can't help. <laughs> Whatever, we'll do it the following weekend. Yeah. Whatever. All right, all right. So we entered into a new sermon series. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, friend of the pod. Uh, we 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 show these graphics when we enter into new sermon series. That's like. Hey, here's kind of the look and feel and what we're calling the series. We're calling this one Into the Wilderness. And uh, if you looked at that graphic in the lower right-hand corner, you would see something that if you've been attending Grace for about a year or more, might be a little familiar to you, which is the uh, the logo for BYOB, that, a series that we did. Is that on there? I didn't, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even see that. I'm uh, sorry. I didn't even notice the logo. So, like, so last- this is a nod to the Bring Your Own Bible series? Yeah. Well, so what we're it's doing is... Series. A meta what we're doing is when we do deep dives into scripture like this, we're going to title them a B Y O B series. It's like, this mm. is not like this going is, to the movies. Like this is about helping you underst- engage with yeah. your Bible, not just teaching you the stories. I guess. One of our, one of our values is increasing everybody's biblical literacy. Mm-hmm. And so if that's what the series is trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to call that a BYOB series. Yeah. And, and we did the same thing. We're doing the same thing with the good life. That was the the name of the series we just did all about yeah. contentment, financial stuff. We're also doing a, the good life series in November, all about technology and we're calling it, you know, the good life mm-hmm. technology. So, which by the way, we, we, uh, did a video for the good life coming up in November. We did a video last week it was like a panel discussion yeah, it was a pa- i can't see you <laughs> it was like it was a panel discussion um and i was one of the facilitators on that panel and all the questions were like how do you feel technology has impacted your life and i'm like we got to get specific because when i hear that question i'm like well i have a toaster <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's where your mind goes yeah i yeah. immediately think like well I have access to all human knowledge. <laughs> yeah. I read books that were printed, you know. Technology. Yeah. So technology specifically, we're talking yeah. in November, we're going to be talking about like the plow, social media. The printing press. <laughs> the plow. The wheel. Major technological yeah. advancements. Yeah. So uh, it's, yeah, it'll it's be, it'll online be about, behavior. Yeah. Living, how to live as Christ followers in a digital age. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, but this series is called Into the Wilderness, and Barry, can you just kind of give us a snapshot of what we're trying to accomplish with this? F- it's four weeks, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This four, four weeks. weeks of focusing on, because we're going back to Exodus, and can you kind of give us uh, more than just the big idea of the weekend, but yeah. kind of what we're trying to say with this ser- sermon series? Sure. So, big picture, there are a handful of these stories that fall in the, in the whole narrative of the people of Israel that fall between... Passover when they leave Egypt and they cross the Red Sea and 
Mount Sinai where they receive the law of Moses and like the rest of the the first five books of the Bible are kind of taken up with the law of Moses. It, it It's um, this one time period where they are between the Red Sea and Mount Sinai and they are in the wilderness trying to go. They're, they're trying to make their way to the promised land. And so these are some stories that talk about the beginning of them entering into this wilderness. Now there are, are plenty more stories on the other side of Mount Sinai, but there's something unique about this little section of stories that I thought would be really worth us spending some time digging into. Uh, Israelites stereotypically grumble. They, they, yeah. are, they complain. They're not, they're, they really have a hard time trusting that God's going to see them through every time they hit some new obstacle, they start grumbling all over again. And then God comes through for them. But what I, in my studies, as I was looking at these stories, what I realized is there's a pattern. Um, and when you look at the bigger, the bigger way that these stories fit into the kind of the themes and metaphors and larger storyline of the scripture, you realize that the pattern is there to teach us what, what is it like when we are in the wilderness of a broken world mm. and what can we learn from the Israelites who had Yahweh come through for them again and again and again? And so that was kind of the the rubric that we we're looking at each of these stories. Yes, they are individual stories, but when you realize that they are written in a very specific way, you realize that our spiritual, you know, ancestors, the Israelites, passed these stories down on purpose for, from generation to generation because they wanted the, the truths from these stories to reach us, even yeah. though the wilderness that we face may not be the same kind of wilderness that they face. Yeah. As you're talking about this now, and even uh, this past weekend, I'm like, man, the Israelites were a bunch of whiny babies. <laughs> like they were, I mean, I guess I would have been too, for sure. If I had to walk through all that desert and stuff, yeah. but yeah, they, they, they did not have a good time. Well, and were they whining or were they terrified? If right. I'm a mom and I'm trying to keep my children alive and there's, no water. and there's no water, I think I'm more than whining. I think I'm yeah. terrified. Yeah. Like nah. not even for myself as much as for the people around me. Right. But yeah, I think, fine. I think the point is Tyler, that wouldn't we all be, or aren't we all, yeah. you know, we, we as humans have a hard time, even when God comes through for us, the next time we're in a crisis mode, our default yeah, is we not forget. to, oh, right. we'll be fine. God's got my back. You know, it's like. Well, we're, we're, I thought God was for us and now he's not. And yeah, it's interesting too, yeah, that's right. that the Israelites who left oppression in Egypt, we'll see this next week and then continuing on, they, they begin to look back over their shoulders and remember how great it was in slavery. Yeah. And, and I put that in quotation air quotes right. because it's like, they're like out here, we can't even have food, but back in Egypt, we had the pots filled with stew and we could eat whatever, you know, whenever we wanted. And it's like, well, and you were enslaved, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, bonded labor to this empire that was oppressing you and killing all of your male children. So yeah, like I have friends who, um, are, are Christians, but, um, they've, they've overcome addiction or are overcoming addiction. And they say stuff like that. Like, uh, it's just so much harder to do it, to not feed into the, like to not go back to the yeah. addiction. It's, it's, it seems like it's better because then at least I wasn't caring. Now I care and it's like super hard, you know, like yeah. I'm trying my yeah. best, but when I mess up, it's like super hard. At least when I was in the midst of my slavery to addiction, right. Uh, I didn't have to care about anything. Yeah. And so it's a great analogy. I was, I, I, that's what I thought of when you were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so specifically to this weekend, what 
was your big idea? What did you want people to hear? The big idea is, uh, and, it's, and it really is the big idea for the whole series, but essentially, uh, if we want to make it through the wilderness we're facing, we have to rely not on our own strength, but on God's. Mm-hmm. We have to trust in him. That that's It really comes down to the word trust. Um, that is the path through our wilderness. And when we say wilderness, what do we mean? Well, I, I tried to get into that a little bit towards the end of mm-hmm. my message. Um, I think pretty much the fact that we're living in a broken world, this is a bit of a wilderness mm-hmm. because there are so many things that could be what we would consider wilderness. I went through this long list. It, it could be you know, depression or anxiety. It could be a broken relationship. It could be an addiction. Uh, yeah. It could be something that someone did to you that has, you know, people, I think of sexual assault survivors, that someone did something to them and now their life has changed and they're in this wilderness. Um, I also mentioned there's, there's wilderness that, wildernesses, whatever, uh, that might be like, I'm at a life stage transition and I don't know which way to turn or I don't know which college to pick or I don't know you know, how to get out of this dead end career. I, I think Is it, it basically be, anything that would make you feel like far away from God? Yeah. Or, or feel like I don't know the way forward and mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm yeah. going to make it. If you could say that, then it's probably a wilderness. You mm-hmm. said hardship, pain and loss, mm-hmm. the wilderness of our lives. Yeah. 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 That's how I, that's how I see it. And in their case, in the Israelites' case, it was a literal wilderness. But right. on, from a spiritual standpoint, I think I think the same principles are true, uh, depending on whatever our our wilderness is. Yeah, and their wilderness was definitely hardship, definitely pain. Mm-hmm. I don't know about loss, but they definitely were mourning the loss of their right. old way of life. Right. Right. Back in You're back right. in Egypt, at least we had pots full of food. Exactly. You know? Now, and again, mm. the the thing I love the most about the Bible is how these, these certain ideas or motifs begin to echo. And what you see the rest of the old Testament is especially the prophets who begin accusing the people living in completely different times mm. of being just like their ancestors in the wilderness. And they're, they, they're call, it calls them, they call them uh, stiff necked people. Yeah. And it's like, you can't like, it's hard to, you, how do you turn the head of someone mm. who's got a stiff neck? I yeah. guess, you know, and, Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what you see are people are people who are living in a completely different era, but they're beginning to make the same mistakes. They're starting yeah. to look for those, the, mm. the good old days in Egypt, and they're starting to live that way rather than trusting. They're trying to solve their own problems and all of that. And so uh, it becomes a motif, this wilderness idea. And, and then you even get... And then it keeps building onto other layers. I didn't get into all this in the message, but um, then the wilderness becomes a motif for choosing to go into the wilderness rather than it becomes a, an image for going away from God's designs or God's desires is you actually, uh, your empire becomes wilderness because you chose to hmm. to walk away from God. So it's this, there become all these different layers to it. And, yeah. When uh, you speak about stuff like BYOB stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for listeners, friends of the pod, if you're not familiar with BYOB, it's a series we called Bring Your Own Bible a year ago. I don't, I don't think I said that when we were talking about that. But when you when you talk about this stuff and you're like, you're tying all these strings together and you're painting the picture and you even said it, you're like, I think these guys are geniuses. Yes. Uh, they're poets. They're um, would. Does that mean everybody back in the back in this time were also geniuses because they would have understood all this stuff or... Is it just like now we need Pastor Barry to explain it to us? Because I don't, it's not obvious yeah, to me right. 
what these writers are doing and sure. weaving together all the symbolism and all that right. stuff. It's not obvious to me. Was it obvious back to the reader when they initially were reading these things or things were getting passed down? Well, two things. First, all, some of the stuff, I don't, I don't know that everyone was geniuses back then, but I do think that a lot of the metaphors and imagery that we see in scripture that don't necessarily resonate with us would have been just normal things in, yeah. in the They old, would have it, known what Nasa meant. They yeah, would have right. known what Hana meant. Right. Yeah. Those ideas would have, but even things like the sea, what do we think of as mm-hmm. the, when we think of the sea, we think of, you know, like crab cakes and, you know, sailboats. No, that's not what I think of. <laughs> well, you probably, you're probably closer to the <laughs> ancient worldview. Death, death and <laughs> chaos. Death. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the sea had a, had a kind of a cultural bedrock understanding for people in the ancient world. You know, all the bad guys and all the creation mythologies were always yeah. sea monsters and that, you know, so for that, for them to hear a, a prophet say something about Yahweh rebuking the sea with a word and the sea obeyed, like that's, that carries deep meaning that we would read that and be like, Oh, okay. Neat. Right. You know? So I think there's part of that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, I think there are, there are, well, there's Hebrew expressions and word plays that show up all over scripture and of course if you're a native hebrew speaker you can pick up on those things and you hear those things that we just don't because we're not we're not hebrew speakers and yeah. we don't speak it we don't our poetry doesn't work in parallelism like hebrew poetry did and so there's also some of that um yeah so i think i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they were reinterpreting cultural ideas and ideals that would have made sense to people they might have been shocking to people but they would have at least understood what yeah. the writer was getting at. So you spent a lot of your time focusing on Exodus 15, right? Yeah. Yep. And we've referenced it a little bit here, but uh, Nasa and Hana, can you kind of go over what yeah. uh, what those two words mean? Yeah. And I don't want to make it... Yes, the, the, I was trying to point to the fact that these two words represent ideas which point out the pattern that we might not notice in our English translations. I wasn't trying to say, well, whatever. Here, here's essentially what I was getting at. Barry got some hate mail. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> okay. uh, that's what it seems like. Yeah. No, I, I, here's the deal. I get always super insecure because the thing is, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I don't know Hebrew. I, I do my research and based on what other scholars have said, I piece together what I think I understand mm-hmm. to be the case. And so I'm always nervous that someone's going to be like, that's not something, but that is hilarious we got to throw our list away of questions that's when i'm playing keys and there's another keyboarder like (laughs) a keyboard player in the room that's that's where i go oh he's gonna know i'm terrible right Ah! (laughs) what was that tyler (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) even if i look like i do i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) um so okay so that's you in front of other hebrew scholars that might be in attendance yeah all that to say from what I was able to dis- discern in my research and my understanding of these patterns, uh, the the Hebrew word nasa is um, to break camp, and the word hana is to make camp. And when you look at this particular little story about Mara and the and the bitter water, uh, the the Hebrews break camp nasa at the Red Sea, and then they hana they make camp at this great oasis with the seven springs and the twelve palm trees, or no seventy palm trees, or whatever. So it's this little tiny package deal. And then you read the next story and guess what it starts with? They nasa and then it ends with and they hana in a place of safety. So they they leave a place of safety into the wilderness and in a place of safety. But then mm-hmm. if you look at the bigger story I mentioned, if you look at like they 
the fact is that the word is they nasa from Egypt. And at the end of that story, they hana at Mount Sinai mm-hmm. where, where they received the law. They, oh, and they hana at the edge of the promised land when they've reached the promised land at the end of the, the uh, yeah. numbers. So you see that pattern and then you take a bigger step up and you see, you see the same, if not the same word, you see the same concepts, uh, in Genesis and, uh, throughout the old Testament. And my whole contention was that when you look at this, the grandest of the storylines of the Bible, you see humanity leaving a place of safety, entering the wilderness, like Cain leaves Eden, goes East, which is always symbolic of leaving God's presence. He goes East into the land of Nod, which means the land of wandering. And when people leave the ark, it says they nasa from that place and go East and Mm. they go to, they start to to scatter over the earth because of the tower of Babel. So uh, this is, this is my opinion based on what I believe to be true of the patterns in scripture is that there is a grand motif of wilderness yeah, that these two words help us see in the story that we're reading in yeah. this series. Mm. So, I could be I could be wrong on some of the nuances hey, of the hey. specific Hebrew, but I think the grand I think the grand motif I'm totally right on about. <laughs> no judgment here. I believe you. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's just take a closer look at the story that you were yeah. talking about. You were talking about a story where. Um, in Exodus Moses. 15, oh. Mo- yeah, Moses, uh, <laughs> there was, uh, we're, hang on, I need to pull it up. <laughs> what? Okay, so the story was that they were brought, the Israelites were brought to this place where there was a bunch of bitter water, right? Right, they, they find an oasis after three days with no water, Yeah, and they're all pumped, I assume, and then they try to find out it, the water's bitter. bitter, and God speaks to Moses being like, throw wood in it, right, and you can drink it, right. Uh, and so he does, yeah. And they do, and it's fine. It's perfectly it's fine. fine so that's the Hana. No, Mm-mm. no, that's when that's they get the stop. water, and then we get this weird little segment, a couple verses about God giving them a decree and a standard in the wilderness about obe- oh, yeah. obeying Him. And then He won't give them the curses of the Egyptians, and then they may, and then they Hana at this nice new oasis. So that this has like all, all of the, the springs, springs, all, the, all springs. of the trees, yeah. yeah. So this. Uh, oasis that was bitter you said that this would have reminded people of the river back when they were in egypt that had turned into blood yeah probably possibly i think and i i found this in some some of the commentaries i was reading as well that that the one of the plagues because it mentions plagues remember it says it says i won't send on you any of the plagues that the egyptians received well one of the plagues was turning the Nile into bitter, undrinkable blood or blood. And then the other, uh, the Mara, this, this oasis was bitter and undrinkable water. And I, who knows what caused the bitterness? It could have just tasted bad or smelled like sulfur or who knows. Yeah. Or if it was an algal bloom, like algae, then it would have been red just like blood. So who knows? It might've even looked like blood. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I wasn't there. I wasn't there either. Yeah. Okay, so the the moral of the story, the point of the story is trust God, tr- trust that God knows best, and uh, healing will follow. Right, is what you said. Right, but the interesting what are we supposed twist, to obey? That's exactly it. The yeah. twist mm-hmm. is that he says that you have to obey his commands, and it's like, wait, what are they obeying? He hasn't given yeah. them any commands yet, right? Mm. Which is very odd. And like I said in the message, scholars really have a field day with this verse. Some are like, well, this was obviously added in later. This wasn't even a part of 
the original story and others were like, no, it was totally part of the original story. But then what I've found, I don't even know if it's a consensus, but it seems it seems very right with the bigger storyline is some many scholars that say, no, this reference is to the the tree that God shows Moses. And then it gets into this weird Hebrew stuff again. Sorry, Hebrew scholars, if I'm if I'm missing anything, <laughs> but the Hebrew word for teach is is actually the same. Or sorry, for show is the same word for teach. So that you, you could have said other show words. Mm-hmm. You know, God showed him this. He he pointed this thing out. But instead, it sa- it basically says God taught Moses a tree, literally, which is so weird. And that word taught is the same root as the word Torah which is what they ended up calling the entire first five books of the Bible, which is all about how to obey God in this. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and then, and then I also talked about the fact that the tree represents in Hebrew scripture, a tree uh, that has something to do with obedience represents the tree of life in the garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. Cause you remember the the two trees, right? What were the two trees? There was the tree Tree of of wisdom and knowledge. The tree, tree of, of the knowledge of good and yeah, bad. Yeah, good and evil. Yeah. yeah. And interestingly, I've learned recently, it's actually the tree of good and bad, not good and evil. We add evil in because we we put a moralistic tinge on it. Mm. But it really, it's after God calls everything good in his creation. And then he says, it's not good. It's bad for man to be alone. So he, he makes, anyway, mm. the tree of the knowledge of good and bad is actually essentially representative of humans deciding what's good and what's not good. And instead of letting God do that. And so it becomes a symbol of wisdom and folly. The two mm. trees, the, the tree of wisdom then becomes a symbol for obedience to God's commands, a symbol for the Torah. It becomes a part of the temple and the tabernacle, the big candelabra. Did I talk about that? The and menorah, the, the menorah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The menorah becomes a symbol for the Torah and a symbol for obedience and a symbol for wisdom it's all kinds of layers. And so yeah. some scholars that I, I agree with, cause I think it fits the bigger story are saying that God teaching Moses wisdom is the same thing as God showing Moses a tree. <laughs> like it's all the same. And so the obedience that the Israelites were to have was just enacted in a, uh, a object lesson by Moses and the tree. It was. And so he's saying, just as I showed taught Moses, this, this tree, this, this represent representation of wisdom. So when I show you the way to live, when I teach you wisdom, if you do that, if you follow it, if you throw that tree in the water, you will live and you won't experience any of the, the hardships that Egypt experienced, including this bitter water that's right in front of you. Sometimes I wonder if when we come face to face with God, well, not me, but when you do, uh-huh. he's going to be like, you nailed it on the wood and the water thing. That's totally what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know, like right. fist bump. Yeah. yeah. It's like, nice job. Or he'll be like, that was, that was rough. That was Way a rough one. <laughs> uh, the good news is I often wonder, like we're doing all this heavy lifting of like trying to connect the dots and the solve the puzzles and the symbology. And I'm like, I wonder if God's just like, you guys, hot, warmer, warmer, cold, 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 cold. Yeah. ah, go back, you know? Right. Well, the good news is that what I, the, the conclusions that we reached at the end of this, talking about the way through the wilderness is trust is backed up by a thousand other parts of yeah. scripture yeah. that really just paint the picture of our best life comes through not our own wisdom, but God's yeah. wisdom. So believe God, believe God is... <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so all that to say, even if I'm wrong about the wood and the water, I'm not wrong about what scripture is teaching us. So Moses throws the wood into the water, uh, and that represents him obeying God. And you're saying this is setting the ground rules for surviving what we're calling wilderness. Yeah. For the rest of us. Um, well, uh, by the way, let me, I'll, I'll just give you another, this, I didn't talk about this in the message, but just as one little bit to, to tell you, I'm not making this up. Uh, the very next story, which we'll get to this weekend, spoiler alert, is the whole story of manna from heaven. And part of manna from heaven, that whole story is that they have to not pick up manna on the seventh day, the Sabbath, which is a ground rule as a part of the, the law of Moses is following the Sabbath. And so right after this whole teaching him a tree, this whole teaching him obedience thing, they are given a test of whether they're actually going to obey when God says, Hey, I'm going to give you manna. I'm going to give you more than you. I'm going to give you twice as much as you need on the sixth day. Hmm. So on the seventh and they day, blow it? and they blow it. Of course oh, they do. They come all go on. Out and they're like, Hey, where's the manna? And they're like, dude, we well, just said so. How far in between are these stories? <laughs> well, if you follow, it's the, like 45 minutes later. You're like, I just said, if you follow the Jewish calendar, the religious sort of calendar, Pentecost or sorry, uh, um, Passover, was followed by Shavuot, which is the celebration of the giving of the law. And those are 40 days apart. And so the tradition at least is that there were 40 days between the crossing of the Red Sea and the arrival at Mount Sinai. Mm. So there's time to forget to (laughs) obey God. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't like they turned around and took 11 steps and it's like, I just told you to obey me. And here we are not obeying. Still, you do get that sense. It's not (laughs) like... Yeah. It was three days after God parted an like an ocean, so you'd think that they'd be like, <laughs> maybe God's got this. But yeah, all it takes is one guy to be like, well, what if there isn't enough food for tomorrow, and I'm going to be hungry, and then a fear of scarcity, yeah, drives him out there, right, to do what he's not supposed to do. That's right. So that sets us up for the rest of the series in terms of obedience uh, is what. Obedience to what God wants or what he's trying to say is what will get us through any wilderness in our life. Um, I guess my question, and this this is, I don't know if this is a no-duh question or if it's like, well, just go back and watch any sermon we've ever done to get the answer. But it's like, how do we know, how do we know if we're obeying? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Moses had God telling him, throw the stick in the water. How do I know what God's trying to tell me? Is it just like... As Dave says, just pay attention. I think, first of all, we have, I mean, the word of God is the answer. And I'm going to just kind of go on a whole Carl, Carl Bart, the theologian, the German theologian. He had a way of, uh, you descri- don't have to tell me, I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> he had a way of describing what the word of God was, which I think is so right on. And so awesome. He described the word of God as three things. Number one is the word of God incarnate. And that's the person of Jesus Christ, the historical, actual mm-hmm. presence of Jesus Christ. What that person, Jesus Christ, taught and said was the perfect revelation of God's heart and character. So when we look at what Jesus taught, how we are to live, the self-giving love we are to, you know, to show towards others, that is one form of obedience. If we model our lives after Christ, we are doing a great job of moving towards obedience. The second word of God is the word of God through scripture. And that is, that is the, the people of God's, um, sharing of, of their experience of God. And they taught God's laws, his commands, his desires. When you look at the whole of scripture, what you see are these 
they're pretty radical when you really think about it, but ways of living in our world that are not selfish, that are others focused, that are, that are obedient to God, like Mm -hmm. God's commands and, uh, self-sacrificial for the sake of other things. Uh, All you look at scripture and you, you align yourself with that and that's obedience to God. And then the third, uh, kind of word of God, the sort of outest circle, outer circle of this would be, um, the word of God that's continually breathed into our world through the Holy spirit. And so you said listening. I think that is a component of it. It doesn't, it never will supersede the other two layers. You're never yeah. going to You hear something from the spirit where it's like, I know the Bible says don't murder. I'm going to tell you to murder. You're not yeah. going to hear that from the spirit, mm-hmm. right? So getting a little thirsty. <laughs> that's right. So let's do this. <laughs> oh, I thought that was me. That's funny. That is you. Wow. I know it's me, yeah, but oh. you did. Oh, it's <laughs> creepy. It's all creepy. Oh. It's all creepy. <laughs> all that to say for me, I'm sorry. I'm talking a lot. I nerd hey, out about that's why we stuff. bring you in. Well, I think I'm curious to hear what you guys think, but that's how I look at obedience is those three layers, listening to the words of Jesus, aligning our lives to the teachings of scripture and listening to the voice of the Holy spirit, um, to guide our steps as we do the other two. That sounds good to me. I mean, it's basically like, uh, pay attention and also love other people. And you can pretty much bank on that's in accordance with what God would have for you. Right. Yeah. I think my question isn't so much. How do I know I'm obeying? I think maybe my question is how do I know I'm trusting? Mm -hmm. I had lunch with a friend uh, last week um, who herself had experienced great loss. And our question over lunch was just, what does it mean when we say we trust God? Mm. We still say it, but while God could have stepped in and kept my mom from getting sick or God could have healed her by now or whatever, while he could have done all these things, while he could have led them to a spring of water without having to go through the three days of no water. Yeah. What does it mean for us to say that we trust him? And I like the way that you ended this sermon by just saying, you're not alone. Right. You're not alone. And maybe that is what I mean right now. When I say that I trust him, I I'm encouraged by this passage because a lot of times I feel like I got, I have a curved spine like, mm-hmm. and I've been going to the chiropractor a lot, trying to just bring correction to that curve. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if my worldview or my Christianity is curved because of where I was brought up, just have this kind of westernized idea of Christianity. And I'm constantly trying to bring balance to that curve. Yeah. Where did I ever get the notion that saying we trust God means that we will be, you know, kept out of the wilderness right. or kept out of trouble. Right. And I've heard it said, you know, people in financial straits, which this whole last series was a doozy, yeah. you know, for that, but for them to say, whatever, I'm just going to trust God. Right. Well, trust him for what? Trust him that you'll be able to keep this house with this mortgage and these yeah. cars. Is that what we mean when we say we trust God or we trust God that come what may you will survive. Is that what we mean when we say we trust God? So I'm constantly trying to, to ask myself this question to bring some correction and maybe some balance into my view of scripture or, or theology or, yeah. or whatever. My friend and I, as we sat over lunch and we're asking ourselves, what does it mean when we say that we trust him? I'm encouraged by the story because it's, it shows me that a loving God 
will allow me to go through wilderness seasons. And maybe if I were a children of Israel on, on day one, I could have been like, Hey, God's got this getting a little (laughs) thirsty, getting a little thirsty, but God's got this day two might've been testing my faith a little bit, but I still might've believed on day two, day three. Yeah. I'm freaking out. Yeah. So yeah. What does it mean? To trust God. And right. this came at a really good time for me. <laughs> Ironic time for me. I have gone home a few times, seen my mom and some visits have been, I mean, all the visits are good, but inevitably all the visits are hard because right. it's just a hard season right now. It's a wilderness season. Yeah. Um, and for more reasons than one, I mean, I could go on and on. It's, there's a lot that's happening there. I won't go into all of it, but when I got back, I took some time out to just pray through the Fisher Sanctuary and I just started praying, God, I'm thirsty. Mm. And there's a song that kind of rings in my heart um, about that. Just water, give me water. I'm thirsty. That was my prayer about, oh, four days before you gave this message. Mm. Yeah. For you to close it by saying that it's an invitation for us to renew our trust in God, especially if we're thirsty. I couldn't believe you said that. <laughs> I just told God I was thirsty. Hmm. I'm thirsty. I'm in a wilderness time. Um, so what does it mean when I say that I trust him? Yeah. I know that he, he will let me go through this wilderness time, but he won't let me die in the wilderness. Right. And that there is Hana coming. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. At some point. Wow. I kind of think of it. I mean, you guys are parents, so you probably could speak more to this than me, but I kind of think of it as the way that, well, it's just Tyler, let's talk about you and Milo. Like, does Milo trust that you are with him through the hard times and the hard times might be not having a snack, you know, (laughs) for fast enough or whatever. Does he, you know, it's a matter of, does he trust that you'd be there? But you also have rules for him. You say, don't, don't hit the dog. Don't run into the street. So obedience is not. And you're saying, look, if you don't hit the dog, you won't get nipped. Like the dog's not going to bite your hand, (laughs) you know? Uh, So obedience is for his best. And it's part of a bigger story of the trust that he has that you want what's best for him. And he's still learning that and he keeps making mistakes, but he's learning. And that, that, yeah, snacks won't come, but there will be food. Yeah. Because my dad loves me. And, you know, I've, I've caught myself a number of times almost asking him if he trusts me because he'll, he'll throw a fit being like, I want to get up and I'll say, no, it's not the time to get up. You got to take a nap or whatever. And in my brain, it makes sense. In his brain, he's like, I don't want to, I want to play. I'm like, if you just trust me, we'll get to play later. But he doesn't, he doesn't play later and you'll have a, you'll sleep better tomorrow night. And then your next day, he doesn't care about that. But, uh, I think a lot off. I mean, he, he will obey if I give him instruction, but, um, yeah, I, I would guess in his in his little mind, the concept of trusting when I can't see it or when I can't like have the gratification I want. I don't want to take a nap. Right. And even though I love you, like I don't totally trust you're coming back in my ri- room anytime soon to get me out of this bed. You know, like uh, I, I wonder that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure that's something that he can't. I mean, he can't verbalize but i know he trusts me to like love him but yeah it's an interesting concept and I, i'm sure that's how god feels about me it's like 
if I knew what he was saying, I would, I feel like I would obey it, but if I can't see it or feel it, or if I, if I feel like I'm in the wilderness, my temptation is just to like go about my business and not even pay attention. Right. And, um, I feel now that I'm thinking about it this way, I feel like sometimes maybe he's like thinking the way that I think about Milo. Like if I'm out of sight, out of mind, will he trust me? Will he trust that I'm coming back? Will he trust? And when I think about it that way, it's pretty convicting. Hmm. Well, all I know is that my rabbit Humphrey assumes that he'll never be fed again every time I (laughs) fed him. So he's like, like grunting at me and like nipping at me when I'm bringing his, his hay, bringing him his hay. I'm like, dude, so he definitely food. does not trust you. <laughs> he's got some issues, some trust issues. Well, and in so many of these situations around me personally, like my friend last week or um, my sister who lost a baby. Mm. Um, these are people that have followed God's decrees. This, this wilderness was brought on by no fault of their own. Right. And so then the question becomes, well, what do we mean when we say that he is good? Mm -hmm. What does good mean? These are the questions we're asking ourselves right now. Um, There were people wandering in the wilderness who I'm sure followed whatever they thought was, you know, the the way to be uh, an an Israelite, a a follower of, you know, almighty God. I'm sure that they would have felt, well, why me? Didn't I do all the things did you ask me to do? Right. Didn't I serve you? Didn't I follow you faithfully? But even then he allows his children to go through trying times. Right. And not just as like a, you know, kind of morbid curiosity of, well, let's see what happens if I throw this at him. Right. You know, even though to us, that's how it could seem. Um, Yeah. The way that he does allow them to suffer teaches them really how to go through suffering but ultimately provides just what they need right. to get through the wilderness. And, and, and to the promised land, which is the whole point. Yeah. It was, we're, I'm taking you out of Egypt into somewhere better. Yeah. And I think what you said, Marin, about I'm not going to die there. Like mm. that's, the, that's the thing to remember is that like, and we talked about this a little earlier, is like zoom out. Mm. You may not feel like you're winning or you may not feel like uh, you're getting out of the wilderness. Zoom out a little bit more. Okay, now I have a different perspective. Zoom out all the way and it's like, mm-hmm. I know I'm not dying in the promised land because Israelites probably in the moment and for 40 years or whatever, were like, this is not getting better. Mm. But zoom yeah. out. It got, it, it, you zoom out enough, you're like, wow, it, it actually eventually got a lot better yeah. for them. They Some people live through the wilderness and they're like, they never see the promised land. Yeah. But you keep zooming out and it's like eventually uh, the promised land is here and we're, we all get to do it. Yeah. We all get to be there, you know? So I don't know if it's, uh, is it taboo to quote other churches on this podcast? No, please do. <laughs> um, one of those recent visits to see my parents, my sisters were here. Y'all, my sisters were here. <laughs> I couldn't talk about it on the last pod because my mom listens and that would have totally destroyed the surprise. Uh-huh. We surprised her with my sister from North Carolina. Um, total shock. Mom had no idea she was coming. So That's awesome. it was great. Cool. It was our birthdays. It was great. We went home. Um, and we went to my brother's church. My uh, older brother, Jason, goes to a satellite campus of a church 
in the south suburbs of Chicago and we were just visiting. Um, but within the, this is how he opened his sermon. He was talking about um, Joseph and the whole thing was the expectations that we put on God, hmm. the way that we believe that God should behave. Right. We put all kinds of expectations on God. And so he said his opening illustration was, let's say, let's say it's your mom and your mom is the most God fearing person, you know, and she's reading her Bible every day and she knows scripture and she's generous and loving. And, and then one day mom gets a cough, but the cough doesn't go away. And it turns out it's cancer. This is your brother saying this? This is my brother's satellite church. This is their broadcast sermon. I mean, this is what is happening. My whole family, my brother, my two sisters, my mom, we're all sitting in one row and none of us can breathe. Right. Because this is the opening illustration of this dude's sermon. And he's like, and you pray and you pray for your mom to get better. And she doesn't. And eventually she goes home to be with Jesus. Now that is a real hard. God, you didn't fulfill my expectation. I was praying for one thing. Why did you deliver another? That was his opening illustration. (laughs) Then he went right into, or let's say, you know, you've lost your job recently and you're out there, you know, pounding the pavement, looking for a new job and you keep expecting God to meet you halfway. My dad is suffering from having lost his, the account that like keeps them afloat. That dentist uh, just suffered like a heart attack or stroke or something. And overnight that job was gone Mm. overnight. Now, um, like praise break. My sister put it best. (laughs) There's all these, you know, Job like comparisons that are flying around because obviously my dad's going through a lot, but my sister goes, you know, Marin, if dad is Job, None of us are safe. That's right. We're, the house is going to collapse on us. No, go home. Check oh, your no. livestock. Check on Maggie. Check your dogs. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Check your livestock. Check your Maggie. Yeah, but that was that was the opening illustration of that sermon, and none wow. of us could breathe. But his point was, instead of being preoccupied with what God should do, mm. how about we focus on what God could do? Mm. Just what he could do. He's He's still a God who provides. He's a God who will comfort me in my sorrow. He said, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He also said that we would go through the valley of the shadow of death. He never said we'd avoid it, but he is with us. Like the end result of all of it, when we boil it down, whether we're going through hard times or not, he's with us. He's with us. Yeah, I think, um, I think, Remembering what he could do, but also remember what he has done. Mm-hmm. Cause you remember your mom in ways that like, that will, that will last with you forever. And you remember what God has done through her. And you've talked about all the people that have come forward to be like, I want to help or I want to do something mm-hmm. and to, to offer her help. And even in the midst of this, it's like, it's, God is with with you and with her in this and he's showing himself in the, in the hearts and the compassion of other people too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he is showing his faithfulness and I can't, I can't deny that. And you're right. Like when I really get gripped with my wilderness, shaking my fist at the sky, I have got to go to a place of gratitude 
I've got to go to a place of gratitude and remember what he's done. And the children of Israel had to do the same thing. Just a couple days before they were crying about water, they were building a monument next to the Red Sea, stacking up some stones to remember (laughs) the mighty thing that God had done. And I don't remember if it's in chapter 15 or chapter 16, but they build another monument. You know, like they keep marking these events and they're trying to do so in a way that they will see and remember in the future. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Remembering what he has done, not just what he could do, but what he has done. And then remembering who he is right now. He's with me. Mm -hmm. Where do we go next, Barry? What's going on? What's happening this start? They ran out of water this past week and the next week they run out of food. So that's what we're talking about. They don't have any food and they start longing for those flesh pots in Egypt. Oh my goodness. That's how, that's how the King James version puts it. Flesh pots? Flesh pots. Please tell me you're using the King James. It's not me. It's Tim. (laughs) Tim Ayers is preaching. So I hope he brings it up. Go ahead. New King James. (laughs) Yes. Oh man. So it's good to, it's good to get a little, uh, meat on the bone of biblical literacy right now. It, it, you know, I've, I've appreciated the, the financial thing and we've participated in a lot of that stuff, but it feels good to get back into, some heavy lifting of scripture and yeah. biblical teaching. Yeah. Um, my, and my hope is like, not only that we, you know, learn and have our own individual faiths grow through this, this series, but I hope that when we hear about things like the motif of wilderness, it does help you when you're reading the Bible on your own yeah. you start mm-hmm. to see wilderness. You like, you start have some, some bookmarks that ping in your mind. You're like, Oh yeah, wilderness. Or hopefully by now, if you've been to at least a few sermons of mine, when you hear about the sea, you're like, Oh, the sea yeah, chaos. Like I, you know, I want those kinds of things to be in your mind. Cause that helps. That has helped my reading of scripture, like explode with meaning. And mm. the old yeah. Testament now is like unbelievable and mm. awesome when it before was opaque and confusing and frustrating. So, yeah. yeah, I think for me, whenever I find myself just kind of blindly speeding through a passage, mm-hmm. it makes me slow down. Cause I know I'm missing something Yeah. where before yeah. I might not have even realized I was missing something. Yeah. I would have just taken it at face value. I think the way that you are teaching this church and the way that we're growing in our biblical liter- literacy for me, it's manifested in, okay, wait, I got to go back. Yeah. What I miss. Yeah. Slow down. Are you, uh, are you preaching every week or who, who's well, Tim's this week, this coming Tim's weekend, this coming and week. then I'll do the last two. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And the, and the last week of the series takes a bit of a, a, a twist in the how we're going to apply it and I really like don't miss that week don't miss the fourth week of this series because it's going to be really powerful especially listeners if you're going through a significant wilderness of your own this will be the week to come all right little teaser. teaser little wow. teaser on that note Marin who knows when the next time we'll do this will be <laughs> oh, no will you please send uh, us out sure do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.